the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, folks. I invite you to join me, Soapy Dollar, my wife, Suzanne, and KSLR on the National Day of Prayer on the steps of City Hall. Cornerstone Church Choir will lead us in worship as we exalt God and invite His presence to fill our hearts. We'll ask God to hear and forgive us, to bring healing to our homes, our city, our nation. Thursday, May the 4th at noon on the steps of City Hall with pre-service music beginning at 1130. For more information, go to ndpsanantonio.org. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are here. Thank you for joining us tonight, everyone. We're glad to be with you for the Bible Live broadcast. Are you there all right, Jacob? Can you hear me at all? Loud and clear, buddy. Clear is good. We are in the books of the Kings, First and Second Kings. It's kind of uh, pure history, right? That's the idea of the Kings? Well, well, it is pure history. Yes, yes. There's a whole lot more going on here, of course. I don't mean boring, boring history. Obviously, we're going to learn from this one and that one. I've gotten in the habit lately, Jacob, of characterizing our presidents and saying, for example, hmm, Reagan reminds me of uh, this king. Bush, number one, reminded me of that kind of king. Uh, Clinton reminded me of that particular king. It's interesting to kind of get leadership styles and leadership types out of the king's and see them as they relate to the kind of leaders that we get in our country. And, uh, you know, for example, Obama and so on others. What king do they remind you of in terms of their style, of uh, maybe their character, and, you know, without a doubt, their spiritual, the spiritual leadership that they might give uh, to the nation? Now, we didn't, you know, we don't elect the first evangelist or, the, or we don't elect the preacher we elect a president and that's a political function and all that sort of thing but there's no way that a leader doesn't exert some kind of a moral influence or a spiritual influence even if it's none would that be uncommon from a hebrew or a jewish point oh, of view no everything relates to the bible to where you live for nothing else 
Is that right? So isn't a great high percentage of uh, the Jewish vote here in America uh, Democratic? Yes. Listen, it is true that the majority of Jews traditionally vote Democratic. That's true. And I can tell you why. Would you like to know why? Real quick. It is puzzling, I think. Okay, I'll tell you. Because, you see, like, you know, they voted for Al Gore over George Bush, right? Okay. Uh, you know why? Well, because, see, the last time the Jews listened to a Bush, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> I should have known that was coming. All right. But, uh, I mean, there could probably be made something made up about the last time they listened to a Gore as well, for that matter. Um but anyway, uh, that that that's, that's, that's in my mind, I guess. I didn't know that that was uh, something that I don't well, know. See, it, Jewish, it, you can't uh, you can't put people in a basket and everybody to paint with this broad brush because, uh, frankly, just even the title Jewish, I've read that uh, over the years. I've read a lot of things because I've had a great curiosity about it. Uh, books about you know who is really a Jew, you know, and who oh, is yeah. and so on and. Uh, Famous the, book. Famous. One of the best books I've read about the subject. Is the Bible? <laughs> well, yes, that is true. <laughs> I was just guessing. No, that it was, it was a, a Southern Baptist pastor, wow. a, a great scholar, a good godly man, I think. I, I respect him at least. <laughs> and his idea of, uh, evidently, he came down to the end. He did all of this analysis and back and forth about this one and that one in this situation, about whether it's an ethnic uh uh, application. I'm Jewish ethnically. I'm from DNA. I'm an, I'm a genetic a, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. Or uh, whether it's religious or philosophical. You know that I, I'm Jewish because I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Hebrew Scriptures and the prophets, and so on. And and, and so he he goes on and on and, and uh, analyzes. It. And his final uh, his final conclusion is: Who is a Jew? Anybody wants to call themselves a Jew. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? And we always leave it up to Baptists to decide. Uh, of course. <laughs> Those Southern Baptists, they come through. No, but, uh, you know, it it kind of made sense in the end to me because it's it's about as close as you'll get to any kind of a— if you want to narrow it down and try to find out who is and who isn't, it's almost impossible to do. Well, uh, Judah is a religion. Anybody— can sure. be part of Israel, even if they're Irish or from Ethiopia or Australia or Korea. You can be, you're part of Israel. And so Judaism is um, the idea of believing in the one monotheistic God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So anybody can be part of Judaism. I usually say God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or God of the Bible. However, of course, when you say God of the Bible, that can be problematic because some people think that the God of one part of the Bible is not the same as the God of the other part. And so, but I so do. The, I think so it's one it true like living God. The party of the first part, but then talk to the party <laughs> of the second part. <laughs> yeah, a little lawyer speak in there. That, that's good. That's good. Well, anyway, I don't even know how we got off on this, but th- this, I, I, oh, I know we were talking about the Kings. We we're talking about first and second Kings. That's what we've been reading for the, what? The last couple of weeks, at least maybe even up to three weeks. And uh, this time when the people of Israel come uh, out of the time of the judges, Joshua takes them into the promised land. And then you have these 12 judges that we have this the story of these 12 men. I heard a little devotional talk about one of the judges. Which one is it that killed 600 some maybe Philistines with the ox goad? That was uh, 
No, Samson was. No, 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 no. That's, I mean, it's, it's all they said he did. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything else about him except that. And I thought, well, I've never heard anyone actually talk about that particular judge or give a sermon on him. But I heard one this past week. Someone brought that up and said, Shamgar. After Ehud, Shamgar, son of Anath, rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Mm. And after Ehud's death, the Israelites did it, and then it turns to Deborah. Mm -hmm. But that's all there is to it, those two sentences. Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And, you know, he's one of the 12 judges mentioned in the book of the judges. And, but that's it. That's all you know about him. And I heard an actual somebody talking about how making the most out of what you have. <laughs> that's a, a great little application, don't you think? Well, I do. All you have is an ox goad, so go out and kill 600 Philistines with it. Well, there you go. And who, who would have thought? I mean, exactly. You know, you don't have a spear. You don't have a sword, but you got an ox goad. Use your ox goat. Uh, I thought it was a nice little devotional thought, and it was the first time I'd heard Shamgar be the uh, topic of uh, a devotional thought or a little a sermon or oh, whatever. There's, yeah, there's several things that's always fascinating that you never hear rabbis or preacher or anybody talk about. And I've, I know of a couple, but I won't mention them right now. But I've always wondered, how come you never hear of this? <laughs> Just... Don't worry. I bet somebody somewhere has uh, gotten a sermon or uh, probably a whole book. Remember that other fellow that did this? There's some prayer, the prayer of J. Uh, Jabez. Jabez prayer. I mean, I mean, he wrote this book, and next thing you know, there were DVDs and tapes. Yeah. And I right. actually watched his series of tapes. Uh huh. And uh, and I. And he said on a series of tapes, he said when the first book first came out, nobody ever called him except somebody from a Jewish newspaper. And, That's hilarious. And he and he explained on there, and of course, the way he presented it was uh, not altogether enhancing. But uh, it's when it says he Jabez says expands his border. Well, Jabez, you see, there's, there's one more reference of Jabez elsewhere in the Bible. There is. Yes. Oh, okay. And it says he's a great judge. So when it says expand his border, he's talking about teaching God's laws. Okay. I didn't know there was another reference to Jabez uh, yeah, somehow. Uh, Is it like in, in the New Testament or oh, no, like in the no. Tanakh? Yeah, oh. Tanakh. <laughs> there you go. Well, How anyway. <laughs> Tanakh. Forget about it. Okay. Here we go. We read seven, Psalms 70 through 73 this week. Psalms 70 to 73. And we read from the Kings the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 through the book of 2 Kings chapter 12. And, of course, as we are fond of reminding folks, because it makes us look brilliant, the books of First and Second Kings were originally one book, one history told and uh, divided at the time of the, uh, I guess, the translation from Hebrew to Greek, the, uh, the Septuagint. If I remember correctly, the actually, detail. Septuagint was actually, there's a famous story that goes around, and it's actually, that's referring to the Torah. Uh, later, oh, really? Yes. And, that was only the translation of the Torah? Yeah, and later on there was a translation, and quite frankly, the Greek, you know, from the Greek thought is not bad, but uh, the rest of the books after that are really not very good. So the Septuagint actually only had to do with the translation of the yeah. Torah. And what's fascinating, you might find this fascinating, perhaps your listeners would, I would, so I'd like to say it, Uh um, 
is that I know there's you'll hear the story in many Christian uh, neighborhoods or churches that you know seventy rabbis translated this in seventy days or some, some yeah stuff. yeah um, you've heard that haven't you not the seventy days thing okay, but okay but seventy, 70 scholars okay, of some okay. kind yeah well see this is the rest of the story it's basically true but what they're not telling you is actually in the prayers that the Jews do on Yom Kippur they apologize to God for that. Whoa, why is that? Because they translated it? No, because they did not do it out of love and voluntarily. What happened is these 70 rabbis, their families and children were taken hostage, and they said anybody that doesn't translate it correctly, their family shall be killed. That's the rest of the story. Well, does that give us a little heightened uh, confidence in the text? Well, uh, we uh, evidently none of their families were killed, so it came out fairly accurate. And well, yeah, it seems yeah. like that would give us, but I mean, that would be one little a little bit of a detail yeah. that would well, add sure. confidence to what sure. we have. Uh, and, you know, and, and that can always have a great incentive to threaten to kill somebody. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can be motivating. Well, I do have a, a, a lecture series that I give that I, well, I, might, I might use it again this, this year, in fact, where we there are five different um, presentations about the scriptures and about the historicity uh, the reliability that we have. It's not. It's about the, how they were written, how they were copied, and how they were transmitted to us today. And the degree or uh, the amount of confidence that we can have in that book, that those 66 books that we have, we call the Bible today. How much confidence can we have in that text, in the message that it brings to us? And uh, I, I try to cover that in an hour and a half, program like this and we've done it before and i'm thinking about playing that again this year because what happens we're going to have to adjust our program one week so that we get it back on the schedule of reading certain books at certain holidays Ah, of the year get it it lined up again so we might we might replay those as later this year but that's one of the great topics of of the scriptures is uh the how we got them how they were written how they were uh copied and then the, how they were transmitted from one generation, from one century, actually, uh, to another and another. So, uh, and, and it's, yeah, you can, in my view, you can have a great amount of con- This is an well, astounding yeah, speaking book. Speaking of uh, how it's translated, you know what's fascinating about the Book of Kings? Yes. A- a- and I know a lot of these things are, can be very tedious. You say, so who's that? It's a name I don't know. What's all this? Anyway. But yeah, you, it can be. You need a you need a scorecard, actually, to kind of stay up right, with who's who. If you put the, may I say, the mosaic together, you know, mosaic is a little piece of puzzles, little uh-huh. pieces, but when you get it put together, it's a picture. And uh, what's fascinating, if you look, what you're really looking at is the battle that actually takes place between in the book of Noah. This is the same battle, the same struggle goes on between God and the false gods. The same thing. Like, you know, we're going to talk, I'm sure, about Jezebel tonight. Yes, yeah. And Jezebel is a daughter of a king of a Canaanite. Right. Well, it's always been a struggle between these Canaanite gods, these false gods, and God of the Bible. And his their followers have always been the people on earth that have to fight out the battle, it seems. And so all you're watching is this constant struggle between these Canaanite worshipers, you know, like Elijah kills 400 of them, as you know. Right. And it's the struggle between that and the bad, the evil. 
And so when you're watching it and you watch that struggle, you can carry it forward right from the idea of Noah being from the line of Seth. You can carry it forward from all the other folks, the bad guys, shall we say, being from the line of Cain. And it continues on. And right through this entire book of Kings, every character you see in the book of Kings, it's a constant struggle of who's going to control, who's going to control, who's going to be in charge. And so when you start getting that concept, the big picture in mind, suddenly this becomes interesting. And right. You, and you bring it up to today, and you, see, and you can easily compare it, as you were saying at the beginning of the show, you can compare it to what's going on in the world today because it's the struggle. It is, and, and I, I agree, and I'm so glad you said that because that's one of the things I thought we might try to accomplish tonight is give a view of the big picture. I'm that way, Jacob. When I want to understand anything from car motors to computer programs to almost anything, uh, I don't go first to the details. Now, I know some people that do, and my son Sean does. He he likes details, and he takes things apart. Uh, I remember even as a kid, he would. we came home one day. He had, I don't know, he was maybe eight or nine years old. It had taken apart the family telephone. <laughs> it, it had it all laid out, all these parts. And um, The problem with that era in his life was he wasn't quite as good at putting it back together as he was at taking it apart. But he got really good at that. And, and that's kind of a he, – he's good at those details. And me, I have to first take a course on the telephone. I have to know how the telephone works, what the general – what the general – the philosophy of – the telephone and how it yeah, works. No, the that's big picture. interesting because you know, you know, like I understand, like a seven forty seven airplane has what over two million parts. In yeah, it? And, and can't you just see that all those parts just stacked up in a big pile? And one guy saying to another, "You know, if I put those just in the right order, they're going to fly." <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but if you have the big picture and you understand you know, a little bit about jet propulsion and how this and how that and the purpose, then you might be able to take those parts and kind of reasonably see how each one contributes to the overall function of the airplane. I agree with you. I think you got to have That's the, the way I learned. That's right. And see, I think you're right. I think it has, for me, I too, and I think that's a better way. If you understand your picture, you don't understand why this part must be there. Well, let's talk a little bit tonight, a little bit about the kings and this whole period. This is a, the the, the kings, uh, we I guess we'd have to back up almost to the time at the end of the book of Judges, going into Samuel. And Samuel is a character within, in and of himself. He transmits, he changes us from the time of the Judges to the time of uh, the kings and the time of the, basically the emphasis on the priest to the time of the prophets, in a way, I've heard. Uh, and generally speaking, I think he is a transitional character, this man named Samuel. But he also introduces us into Saul, the first king. And Saul, what, what is Saul king from about 1050 to 1010, I think, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's only 925 now. About, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It, uh, I guess it may seem like that sometimes. But so he's 40 years. And then, and then David comes along in 1010, he becomes the king of all of Judah. I think he actually became the king of Judah before that in 1010. He consolidates and becomes the king of all of Israel, all the 12 tribes. And then to 970, 40 years. It was nice of God to put these first three kings, Saul, David, and Samuel, and, and Solomon, 
40 years each, so it makes it easier to remember them. 1050, 1010, and then 970. And then at 930, well, we're coming up close to 930 now, I think, mm -hmm. uh, B.C., before Messiah, we come to uh, the, the dividing of the kingdom, uh, Jeroboam. Why do you go? Whoa, why do you go? That's the message of, that, uh, of the division. Jeroboam takes the ten tribes in the north. Rehoboam stays with Judah and Benjamin in the south. And uh, that's where we get started in, that's where we start the book of Kings, right? You've got these different kings of the north, different kings of the south. And it can be confusing if you kind of need a scorecard to kind of keep up with all the different ones. Well, the Bible Live Quiz Show will be back in just a little bit. Don't go away. Hi, folks. I invite you to join me, Soapy Dollar, my wife, Suzanne, and KSLR on the National Day of Prayer on the steps of City Hall. Cornerstone Church Choir will lead us in worship as we exalt God and invite His presence to fill our hearts. We'll ask God to hear and forgive us, to bring healing to our homes, our city, our nation. Thursday, May the 4th at noon on the steps of City Hall with pre-service music beginning at 1130. For more information, go to ndpsanantonio.org. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. If you're listening to this station, I can tell we have a few things in common. You care about this country, your family, and your faith. My name is Dixie Bishop, owner of Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We'd like the privilege of of serving you when you have a plumbing problem. That's what the diagnostics is all about. With our skilled licensed plumbers and leak detection technology, we can find that hidden leak that's affecting your foundation or turning your yard into a swamp. We at Texas Plumbing Diagnostics are not on commission. Our flat rate pricing will cover it all. And of course, we do it all, from water heaters and softeners to stopped up drains and new gas lines. See why Angie's List has given us the Super Service Award five years in a row. Or read our testimonials at our website, tpdtx.com. Call us at 210-698-9790 for Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We respond to your emergency. Staff. Texas Plumbing Diagnostics. We respond to your emergency. Staff. Thanks for listening. This is Michael Youssef. I'm Alistair Degg. This is Chuck Swindoll. Hi, Steve Brown of Key Life. This is John MacArthur with Grace to You. This is R.C. Sproul. This is Chuck Colson. Hello, everyone. This is James Dobson. Hi, this is Bob Lapine from Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. You're listening to The Word in South Texas. AM 630. AM 630. AM 630. KSLR. 
Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. That's right. You're listening to AM 630 KSLR. And tonight we're presenting an encore presentation of the Bible Live Quiz Show starring Soapy Dollar and giving you a better understanding and appreciation of God's Word. So stay tuned and be sure to keep your questions, comments, thoughts, everything you want to say and ask Soapy for next week as he returns live right here in the KSLR studio. And now back to the Bible Live Quiz Show on AM 630 This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. You make me want to be brave. The truth of the scriptures, the truth of the gospel message gives us courage, gives hey, us confidence. Sophie, I was going to ask you, somebody yes, told I... me this week that you had a telephone number for people to call in on. Oh, yes, you and that telephone number. Yeah. You, you're a friend of the number. You like to get calls, don't you, Jacob? I think yeah, that's well, the purpose yeah, of the but program. Somebody right? told me that you actually have a telephone number. Yeah, and that's the purpose of the program is for uh-huh. folks to call in. We ought to give that number. It's 340-9585. If you want to be a part of the program, you can sound off. You can comment. You can ask questions on the scriptures about this whole idea of a human being being connected to God himself, the creator of the universe, uh, what that means, how that works, uh, any of that that you would like to comment about, because that is the central message of the Bible. We talk about these kings. We talk about the history of this people group, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and who is Israel and who is a Jew and who's not. Well, uh, beyond all of these questions and even all of this history lies this great drama, this uh, this huge drama of all of humanity, the, the God of the universe, the creator of the human race, calling out a people for himself. That's the central theme of the scriptures, that I will be their God, they will be my people. And so all of these things that we read about, they comment upon that big picture. They they talk to us about that God, who he is, what he's like, about human beings, what we're like, our tendencies. It tells us the truth about ourselves from the creator himself, no less. And then also we're, we're carrying out and revealing a redemptive plan, a plan that God put in motion to reconcile fallen humanity, fallen human beings to himself. And so all of these passages we'll read will have something to do with that great, great theme. Uh, we were talking about a while ago, sometimes if you... If you want to build an airplane, it helps to know what, what is an airplane, what is it yeah, for, what's the big picture. So. And so this is you, that you, is the actual big picture. You sing pretty good, don't you? I sang? Sing. Sing. I'm, I, I used to think I did. Well, do you know the song from the movie The Exodus? Uh, this Land? Yeah. 
This land is your land. Nah, <laughs> wrong Exodus. <laughs> wrong this wrong land, right? Yeah. Uh, this land is mine. Yeah. God gave this land to me. Yeah. yeah. But what am I but just a man? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And boy, you've got all of these themes. The the history, the land itself, uh-huh. the God Himself uh, uh, revealing, and, and we'll get into a lot of that tonight. Let's let's get some questions out on the airwaves. Okay. I don't know if we've gotten any calls yet. Our little calling system is experimental these days, but I don't, I don't see anything up there right now. Maybe we should call somebody. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should call somebody out of the blue and just ask them a Bible question, right? Here, here it is. Um, Psalm. I want to give you a question from Psalm seventy. What words in Psalm 70, that's 7070, what words tell us that David needed God's help urgently? I mean, it's really a piece of cake. If you, re- if you open your Bible and read uh, the words of Psalm 70, you'll see them very quickly. And if a person wanted to answer that, would they call 340-9585? 340-9585. Is that okay. what you said? Yes. Now, what did you say again? You I said 340-9585. All right. That's so exactly. they'd call to answer that question. That, that, right? is, the, okay. that is the number. Right. What words did, uh, did David use in Psalm 70 that tell us that he needed God's help urgently? Okay? Urgency. That's one question from the Psalms. Let's jump down into the Kings. After the great victory at Mount Carmel. Now, Elijah is a kind of a main figure in the book of the Kings here in this section that we read after the great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah fled from Jezebel, Ahab's wife, Jezebel to what other mountain? And Jacob tells me it's very significant. Oh, we're going to fled we're share a great revelation. To that of mountain. This. Okay. So they were at Mount Carmel uh, yeah. and he fled to another mountain. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Boy, long way somebody, away. I actually. wish somebody called on on this one because this is such a power loaded okay. question. What mountain did Elijah flee to? And the answer is found in First uh, Kings chapter nineteen, eight, nineteen eight, nineteen verse eight. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay, according to Elijah, how would? Oh, according not to the person Elijah, but I guess. <laughs> Well, according to, I don't know. How would Elisha know if he was to be Elijah's successor? I, I guess maybe Elijah is talking to Elisha. Oh, I see, I see, yeah. And Elisha, Elisha, did Elisha want to be Elijah's successor? I guess he did. Well, I think it's one of those deals that you just kind of get the job because you happen to be there, you know? Really? Okay. So Elijah told Elisha, and those names got to mean somewhat they similar. They do mean things. Okay. Yes, they do. It's like Elisha is like Elijah Jr. Well, if you like. <laughs> Elijah, I'm going to teach you some Hebrew here. Okay. Ready? Yes. Brace yourself. I think Jah, Yah, the Jah means God, something about God, well, right? That's, yes, it does. Or actually, right. not just God, but that's the first. Okay, it's El Elijah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, L is God. God. Whenever you see an I, you can think of it as the word my. Oh. So God, my, Yah. God, my yeah, God. Yah, Yah is the first pronounceable syllable of God's holy name, the four-letter name. Okay. So he's saying, my God is Yah. Okay. 
Okay. And that's so, the first pronounceable syllable. Okay, so Elisha's God was Shah. Yeah. Elisha. Well, there is no J. In, in English, it's Elijah, but in Hebrew, it's Eliyahu. So is that really actually the same name, but they just gave it a different spelling? Well, there's no J in uh, in Hebrew, so when they translate Y's from, or, uh, from Hebrew to English, they make it a J. Okay. So what I'm saying is, is Elisha just really actually the same name? Oh, Elisha. No, it's, it's close. It's close. What does it mean? Uh, it, it's, uh, Elisha is actually, my God is Shah. Yeah. Oh, I see what you. I see what you were saying. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. In my in my infantile, shallow kind of way, I'm wondering. I got you. Yeah. It's still it's still my God. Is. And you remember there was a movie out recently called The Book of Elijah? Yeah, I saw that. I okay. liked it actually. Uh, okay. Interesting. Well, how I what mean, he said as is, a movie, it goes. Uh, I, I guess the book was uh, the book of my, uh, the book of Eli is what it said. What that really translates to, if you're reading it in English, really, you're saying, the book of my God. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. According to Elijah, how would Elisha know if he was to be Elijah's successor? I mean, it may be a little confusing, but how would he know? Uh, it's found in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 10. Second Kings chapter two. Oh yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah okay. Second Kings chapter two, verse two. Yeah. <laughs> a group of disrespectful boys. Now this is an interesting story. Uh, I knew it was gonna be. A group of disrespectful boys made fun of Elisha. Uh-huh. They mocked him. I, I don't know. Maybe he was bald headed. Maybe who knows what they. Maybe you'll know what exactly they were mocking him or making fun of him about. But. Uh, Something bad happened to them. What was it? Second Kings chapter two, verse twenty-four. Second Kings two twenty-four. A group of boys disrespectful of Elisha, and um, something very unusual and unsuspected—I'm sure, unexpected—happened to them. Finally, this question: God uses Elisha. Now, this is uh, Elijah Jr. This, you know, coming after Elijah. God uses Elisha to bless a wealthy woman from Shunem with a son. And I might add here, a very interesting son oh, it's that so most of us don't realize. Now, I'm just taking you at your word here if hey, you, you, that you know who that son is, well, Jacob. But all I'm doing is passing it on. How do y'all know this stuff? I mean, really? It is, it's, it's in the text somewhere? Uh, you can tell by who it's describing, yes, and the rabbis have always clearly identified who it is. It's just because it's always, people have always said that's who it was. Well, yeah, we can say that, yeah. And we kind of go with that. Okay, well, it's very interesting detail. God used Elisha to bless a wealthy woman from Shunem with a son. When the boy died, Elisha brought him back from the dead. Oh, how easily we say those words, but, uh, man, I just I mean, it doesn't happen every day, right? Somebody brings him back from the dead. Did you know I know a pastor here in San Antonio mm-hmm. who told me with the straightest face, it's a pastor I respect. He's not given over to wild, crazy stories and all that. He told me in one day, he took me aside, Sophie, we had this incredible thing happen. We had a girl come back from the dead. And I'll be honest, I hate to say it, 
it's a terrible thing to say, but I don't believe him. <laughs> I just don't believe that sort of thing. I mean, it just... I guess I understand now how the the, the disciples felt, you know, when Jesus so told them. So it'd be a greater miracle for you to believe him. <laughs> that would be probably a greater miracle. I, I just we we say that so easily. Jesus rose from the dead. You know, we just had Easter and we celebrated resurrection, and Jesus telling his disciples. I now understand why his disciples just didn't get it. I'm not sure if they didn't believe him or they just thought, well, surely he's talking about some symbolic, some metaphorical idea here that he's going to rise from the dead, but he did. Well, this uh, Shunammite woman had a son. Elisha uh, blessed that family with a son. When the boy died, Elisha brought him back from the dead. And so what we want to know is how did the friendship between Elisha, the prophet Elisha, and this woman, how did their friendship begin? I mean, it's a little off the topic we get into this dramatic idea of the son and raising from the dead and all. And when you learn who this son was, it makes it even more interested, interesting. But I want to go back to the beginning. How did the friendship even start between this Canaanite, godless, pagan, idol-worshipping? Maybe she wasn't herself. Well, let's take it a little easy on her because you're going to have to eat those words in a moment. All right, all right. I, but you know what I mean. They co- she comes from that people, right? Wow. Yes, she does come okay. from that. So, fact, so she, she says that, and she comes she out. She says, of that. I, "Hey, can they do?" He says, "Can I do something for you in the story?" We'll see that in a moment. All right. And she's no, no. I, I live with my people. Ah. Uh, okay. By the this way, is found to in. Answer um, your question. Yeah. I should answer something. Let me give the let me Second uh, Kings four eight and nine. Second yeah. Kings chapter four verses eight and nine. And the question there is, how did the friendship between that woman and the prophet Elisha begin? Go for it. Well, you going to try to give us an answer? You, well, yeah. Do you, you feel obligated to give us an answer? Yeah. Well, what happened, of course, is that she was in poverty, as we know. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. And and uh, are you going to answer that question? No. Okay. But it began because of, shall we say, something involving her husband, and something. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And something who was not a Jew, and she who is not a Jew. So we're pretty sure that neither one of them are Jews. Oh well, I have it on good authority. Okay. By the way, I wanted to tell you, as we know, Elijah meant uh, Yah is my God, and uh, uh, my I, I was also I just got a text that says answer Soapy's question. So I'm going to answer your question about Elisha. Elisha, it it technically means God is my salvation, huh. and you see because. They always use the first letter of a particular word, and sha is uh, it'd be like the same word that appears in Yeshua, Yeshua, or Mashiach. Mashiach. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about that? And I'd like to thank the person that just told me to answer your question. <laughs> I thank you too. <laughs> I, I didn't realize. I mean, really, we, I, I tell him to answer my question. He doesn't listen to me, but you tell him, and he'll do it. All right, there's the questions. One, two, three, four, five questions out there. If you'd like to give a shot, answer them. You can give us a call at 340-9585, and your answer might lead into greater conversation and, and, and deeper and if stuff. I, if I call like 340-9585, I could talk to you and win prizes. 
Well, not you. I wouldn't oh, take your okay. call, but because <laughs> you're right here, of course. Uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing, well, no, okay. nothing bad. I really, really wish somebody called and ask about the first question. That would be nice. I have something that I just love to share. I'm going to repeat the questions again. Uh, what words in Psalm number seventy? I that's stand corrected. The second question. Okay. What words in Psalm seventy tell us that David needed God's help urgently? All right, come on, give us a call. If you read Psalm 70, there's some very clear indicators. Uh, let's go to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. After the great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah, what you got, Mark? We got a caller up there? Oh, we have a caller. Uh, after the great victory at Mount Carmel, Elijah fled from Jezebel to what other mountain? What was the other mountain that uh, Elijah fled to? From Mount Carmel. It's a, I'll tell you this, it's a 40-day 40, 40 journey. All right, let's see. According to Elijah, how would Elisha know that know if he was to be Elijah's successor? There was a sign, a signal given in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10. So you can look for... That sign and give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five. Then in chapter two verse twenty four, when Elisha comes on the scene, Jacob, there's just a whole series of really quick stories, right? There's a lot of things that happen real fast. The, this group of boys, uh, this um, uh, the story about the well, we just talked about. Let me see. Uh, well, how he knew he was going to be the successor. So. A group of disrespectful boys mocked Elisha. What happened to that group of disrespectful boys? Or at least to 42 of them. Yeah. We have that detail given. 42 is important. It, oh, it is? Goodness oh, yeah. gracious. Is there anything, any detail, any number, any word that's not important in this book? I think not. Okay. God used Elisha to bless a wealthy woman from Shunem with a son. So it was a wealthy woman. Okay. Mm. When the boy died... Elisha brought him back from the dead. Wow. I could. He was twice. Ooh, that's interesting. He could be a picture of the redeemed, the twice born. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the he was born and given. And, and he belonged to them twice, once by birth and then once by this miracle. Mm -hmm. In the same way, we belong to God twice, once by creation mm -hmm. and again by redemption. Huh? What do you think? Would I, that I like it. I would like that it. preach? You could take it. Okay. Uh, take that on the road. <laughs> Elijah, I mean, Second Kings chapter uh -huh. 4, verses 8 and 9. Uh -huh. How did the friendship between Elisha and that Shunammite woman and her husband, uh -huh. I suppose, how did their friendship begin? Uh -huh. There you have it. Let's go to Jeremiah. To Jeremiah. If the next guy calls his name Isaiah, I'm getting spooked. <laughs> Jeremiah, how are you tonight? I'm doing very good. Good to hear your voice, young man. How's school going? Very good. Are you making good grades? Yes, sir. Good for you. I'm not surprised at all, uh, not for sure. Well, I'm guessing you either want to answer a call, or a question or two, or maybe have a comment or a question of your own to ask. What, what's going on? I wanted to answer the question about what happened to the boys that were mocking Elisha. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, wasn't. Uh, wasn't good, was it? I mean, it was. I, I don't get that story. I don't understand it as well, except that it says for young men to be to respect your elders, I guess, right? Something like that. Okay, tell me what happened to those to those young men, those boys. 
Some mama bears came by and they ate them up. A bear came along. You say a mama bear attacked and mauled 42 of them. Wow. Um, now, when you just hear that story out like that, what do you make of that? I mean, do you do? You, is there a lesson to be learned there, or what do you gather from that uh, from that story? Any any idea come to your mind, Jeremiah? Don't be disrespectful, or else you'll get mauled by a bear. Yeah, to uh, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I to your elders, or, or or here they were being disrespectful to like Elisha, but also to a prophet of God, which is interesting. Maybe they were it, do, being disrespectful to God somebody, at the same time. Do you know time. Jeremiah? Do you know somebody you know? Yes, Jeremiah is a young friend who has called in a number of times, uh-huh. has a wonderful family, and he really loves the Scriptures. He he, he knows his Bible, too. Wow. I, I, I'm very impressed with Jeremiah. Yeah. Well, what do you know about this 42? You said the number 42 yes, was 42. important. Uh, hey, Jeremiah, would you, uh, do you know why the number 42 might be important? He might know this. Jeremiah might know it. Why because was the number? Divided, because he divided by six and it equals seven. Wow. <laughs> this guy, this, well, that is true. <laughs> this is a pretty sharp kid here. You could you could divide it by, let me see. Uh, I don't know what else you could divide it by. But that's right. Six times seven is 42. Uh-huh. Uh, somehow, I don't think that's the answer. But no, no, but I, I liked it. I, mean, uh-huh. I, I never thought of that, Jeremiah. That's very, very uh, insightful. He's, he's quick thinking, and he just yeah. laughed on the, on, the, on the other end. So he, well, he knows he just made that up. Well, I know, but that's good. That's good. Je- okay, okay, so okay. why was uh, the number 42 well, important? 42 is uh, important because, Jeremiah, now, I know there's some controversy once in a while about this, but I'm going to give you the accurate Jewish number. Of course. When they leave Egypt to get into Israel, there's 42 stops from Egypt to Israel. 42. And and so the Jewish understanding of this is that they came out and they mocked Elisha, who is indeed a prophet of God. And these kids were old enough to have been what you and I would call bar mitzvah. And so they should know the uh, to do the mitz uh, the mitzvot the uh, mitzvahs and the the deeds of God and they're old enough so these guys are old enough they're not and when it says children they're not little tiny boys these people are like children in the sense of the children of Israel you see so they're they are young men and they know better than this and they're old enough to have obeyed the laws and know the laws and they chose so each one of them from Jewish thought would be an idea. of each one of them, as you go across the desert and the wilderness, you see each step got rid of some bad, evil deed. So each one of them is repeating that effort. So there were 42 stops in 42 that journey. 42 stops, that's mm-hmm. right. And if you count in the book of Matthew, um, in the genealogy, there are 42 in other words, so what you've got is you've got the recognition of 42 genealogical steps through Jesus, the Messiah, and the Christian book, the, uh, Matthew. Huh. And you've got 42 steps from captivity in Egypt to um, Israel. Interesting. I'm not a big numbers guy, but uh, Jacob brings that up quite often. And I know a lot of people think that the Bible has a lot of... Imp- and I do believe there are certain numbers that are important that for us. Uh, I didn't know that would be one of them. But actually, it kind of does disprove your theory that 42 is significant because uh, 6 <laughs> because you divide 7 into it, it comes out 6. Mm-hmm. Because actually, 3 times 14 is also 42. 
and two times twenty one is so you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to think up uh, something about two times twenty one. I guess no, every one time. times forty two is forty two. But it was a good try, Jeremiah. I'm very you, impressed, Jeremiah. You almost snuck that one by us. You surely did. Thank you. Appreciate your calling in. Let me turn you over to Mark, and he's going to get some information, and we can send you some gifts. All right. Okay. Sure, appreciate your calling in, pal. Good to hear from you. You got uh, Kyle on. Thank you. On yeah, we're going to go and visit. Let me put Jeremiah on hold and let's go and visit with Kyle. Hi, Kyle. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're just bumbling along by faith here. Just <laughs> we're just bumbling. Putting along. one foot in front of the other. What? I tell you what. I'm a I'm a KSLR listener, and uh, I, I actually. Was running to the grocery store for my wife. She was craving some brownies and some ice cream, and so I had you guys on the radio and I heard your first question. Uh huh. And I even went inside and came back and thought, well, if no one else is called to answer the first question, oh, I'll good. go ahead and do so. Now, are you talking about the one of Elijah or the question from the Psalms? A uh, question from uh, Psalm seventy about uh, yeah. David's urgency. What what words did he use in that psalm that make us realize there was an urgency about it? Haste. Make yes. Haste. Come quickly. Hurry. Do not delay. Yes, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Is, is that the same spirit your wife sent you out to get ice cream with? <laughs> <laughs> she has a craving, uh, well, maybe? Are, are you guys sometimes. expecting... Are you expecting a baby or something? Is that the idea? Well, we we actually we have a baby, but uh, you know we still have cravings in the house. You, know you bet. Mean? Why? Our just because you had the baby. Old now, but how old? We still get cravings. How old? We have a baby girl that's ten months. Oh my lands! Bless your heart. Yes, we have a little baby in our family now that's just uh, almost five months. Aren't they precious? Oh, it's awesome! It's our first, so we're oh. we're uh, going through the learning curve, you know. She's oh yeah, doing really well, and and she's in the stage where she's figuring out how to crawl, and she's starting to get teeth, and it's fun. Kyle, do you know how long that learning curve is going to last you? My whole entire life. <laughs> I'm afraid to. Tell. <laughs> if you thought it was going to be over at 18, um, it doesn't go that way. Oh, no. That's well, cool. But it's wisdom. a lifelong adventure. It surely is. Well, let me yes, see. You, you did listen, get the question right. I got to tell this joke. Uh, I was going to tell you something, Kyle. You know, there's a joke uh, among, among the Jews that says, hey, do you know when uh, when a child is born, they send an announcement that says the, this mother and father like to proudly announce the birth of their son, Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, or they're all doctors and lawyers. You get the idea there, evidently. Is that that's the idea. that's the common idea? Yes. Or they're going to marry yeah. a doctor or lawyer. Well, what's your little baby girl's name? Do you mind telling his first name? No, not at all. Uh, her name is Landry, and her middle name is Kate. Landry, so, Landry Kate. Kate. Oh, how cute! That's great. Oh, congratulations, Kyle. Well, we're going to send you a little gift, a package of gifts that we'd like, to, if, we, if you don't mind, and hopefully it helps in some way, with a little tiny way maybe with the family budget, maybe uh, express lube or something, getting the car oil changed or something. So if you don't mind, we'd like to send that to you. Can you stay on the line and give that information to Mark? Absolutely. And, I really appreciate congr- that. Congratulations, you bet, Carl. Carl. You bet. Congratulations. I'm going to put you on hold. There is our music, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have, who is on the air right now? Christopher. 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 Please, Christopher, please stay on the line. We have to take a break right now real quick, but we will be back. 
And you can call in just like Jeremiah did, just like Kyle did. You can be a part of the Bible live quiz show. We're asking you questions from the books of First and Second Kings tonight, and uh, you're coming up with the answers. So we'll we'll uh, review those and give you a chance to call in. The phone number is three four zero ninety five eighty five three four zero ninety five eighty five. To what mountain did Elijah flee after the? Challenge at Mount Carmel. We'll be back in just a moment. To the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We better get back to talk to Christopher now. Christopher's going to be ready to fly if we don't watch out. Christopher, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, uh, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to I- hear your voice, man. Thank you. You too. Um, I just want to say that I really uh, love the show. My phone's going to die. Battery in my phone is going to die soon. So I uh, wanted to say I really appreciate the show. I've uh, met you in person and um, had lunch with you. And I want to say that you're really a very classy individual. And I appreciate you taking the time out to meet a nobody like me. <laughs> uh, no, well, Christopher, I, I remember now who I'm talking with. And no, you are not a nobody. No. By no stretch of imagination. Good to hear you. I'm glad now to uh, we got to reconnect here. Well, thanks. Very kind of you to say that. Um, let's see now. We've got a lot of questions out, but some of them are being answered. Uh, did you want to answer some of the questions we have out? We always enjoy it when people answer the questions because, uh, you know, there are folks listening. Oh, I wanted to have the answer to that, and they never get it. Uh, did you have a question you wanted to answer, or did you have a comment or question of your own, Christopher? don't mind i have a question of my own okay and, um but i mean i'll ask answer whatever questions um okay maybe the mount uh the mountain that Elijah went to but i'm i'm i could be wrong about that yeah I, well we'll give I it a shot let's go to your with, question first okay um and, and this question is for both you and uh jeremiah whoever has the answer it, it really doesn't matter uh but I've, I've been doing some research into my my um you know my my family tree kind of just and I found out that it's possible that, and, and I could be wrong, but um, my great-grandmother, she's Irish, but her last name is Aaron, which is um, a Jewish surname. Uh-huh. And um, I, I'm not sure what tribe that my, my Jewish family comes from, but I also know that my dad is Italian. And I did some research, and I found that uh, the Italians, the, the tribe of Dan, yes. that may be where my bloodline comes from, a part of it part of my, my, my bloodline, and I was going to ask, um, do either of you know anything, because obviously Dan is the tribe of um, the apostate tribe, they're the tribe that um, that broke away, and I don't really know all the details, but I know that... Well, it's uh, one of the ten, of, it's one of the ten, of course, and it was, the, I believe if I remember correctly, it had the land um, distribution was the furthest to the north, was that right, uh-huh. Jacob, yeah. their land was further to the north. They had a hard time settling their land. Remember at the end of the book of uh, Judges, there's a, they're still traveling around trying to find 
a city to live in, a place to call their own and all. I know they had some troubles, and Jacob maybe could fill in. By the way, Jacob, do you know what tribe you are? Well, everybody is known today, of course, as Jews because everybody is blended into the tribe of Judah. But uh, there's always stories among families that are passed down. And uh, But specifically to Christopher's question, um, Dan, do you know what Dan means? No, I don't, but I know they say the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan. I'm not saying I'm the Antichrist, obviously, but but uh, I know that, that um, I don't know what Dan means, but I know wow. that... I didn't know there was a tradition that the Antichrist would come I, from the I, tribe of Dan. I've never heard that, so I'm not familiar with that, Christopher, if, if you'd like to explain. That's fine. But uh, Dan is actually a judge, and uh, that's why you have Dan Daniel. His name is God is my judge, uh-huh. or I am a judge for God. That kind I of see. Thing. Uh-huh. So, um, and there's many different places they went. Uh, and actually, believe it or not, you can get Jewish books that actually show where the different tribes uh, ultimately got dispersed or in the diaspora or where they went out to. Uh, but uh, as far as that, while it's interesting to maybe find your, um, to have that you had a Jewish ancestor, the truth is we all have Jewish ancestors because we all come from Noah, don't we? And Abraham. Oh, that's right. So uh, even if you find one, that doesn't make, give you something extra or something less. The truth is, there is no speciality or privilege. But Noah was before Abraham. He was. So we wouldn't count Noah as being a Jewish ancestor, right? Well, you see, we call it we call it <laughs> Judaism. Well, okay. what is the ism? Because he followed the the ism or the religion of Judah, who followed the religion of the patriarchs. And, of course, Noah is a righteous man. And the idea is is that, uh, is that Noah, being a righteous man, is the idea of, uh, actually, he's the first righteous man. I'll give you an interesting piece of thought here. After Adam dies, the, almost immediately, the first baby born was Noah. And there's a reason for that. Noah's name means this will bring us rest or comfort. Now, 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 wait, you've just kind of unleashed a little bit of a bombshell there, Uh and I'm not saying I doubt it, but it Uh does bring to mind the idea that sometimes we read those Old Testament Uh passages, and we don't connect the dots. We think Uh they're separated by these hundreds and hundreds of years and all, and so Uh therefore they're not in any way related. You'll find it. uh, So you think Noah Noah was one one of the early children of Adam and Eve? No, 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 no. Uh, He's ten steps from Adam. Oh, okay. He's a tenth person. Oh, okay, good. But when Adam dies, the first baby immediately born thereafter, after Adam's death, is Noah. Oh, I get the detail then. And and you'll find, and his name is defined in uh, Genesis 5.29, if memory serves. And it says this and brings us comfort or rest from the land which the Lord had cursed. Because there was no curse of, you know, going to hell or something. The curse was that man had to work the land. Women got pain in childbirth. And... That had come to an end with Adam because he died. That's why when Noah's born, the tenth from Adam, this one will bring, 529, you'll find it. It says, he, this one brings us rest or comfort from the land which the Lord had cursed, you know, because of Adam. So the, from that, we've got everybody descends from Noah. So, right. And so what happens is, uh, Christopher, are you still there? 
Yes, sir. I, so, I hope my phone doesn't die. I'm sorry. That's I, okay. Don't, no, if your phone dies, we'll just call Elisha and have it resurrected. Resurrected, yeah. That's, um, well, that's what we're all about tonight. Uh, anyway, yeah. but but the point is, is it's uh, and I and I hear this all the time, and that's there's nothing wrong with knowing that, but I don't want you to feel that that's anything extra or special because while it's great. There's nothing that makes a Jew a Jew except believing in one God. And if you believe in one God, the God, as so he says of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, and and that's your God, then you truly are, quote-unquote, part of Israel. And regardless if it's Italy or if it's Ireland, whatever, that makes you part of Israel regardless of your ancestry. Of the ancestry, yeah. Although it is, I mean... I'm glad to hear you kind of got a chance to explore it. Did, I don't want to do any advertising or promoting here, but did, did you like go to like Ancestry.com or something like that? Was that helpful? Um, well, the uh, my, my great-grandmother, who's, who's Irish, I know that because my dad told me, and I was trying to do some research into my family, and uh-huh. I know my last name, uh, Spadali, comes from the, uh, the Knights, Hospitallers, and the Templar, and a lot of people don't believe me that, but I looked it up online on italygen.com. Uh-huh. Uh, italygen.com, and I had to translate it to, to English. Um, but when I was on, on YouTube, I was doing research on, on the Antichrist, not not on my my family tree. And, uh-huh. And it says that um, I, I just typed in there, will the Antichrist be Italian? And, and, you know, of course, on YouTube, there's a bunch of quacks and nuts. So I don't know if I can really believe. Oh no! Surely not on the internet. It can't be. No quacks and nuts on the internet. Well, that's funny. That's funny. Well, uh, interesting that 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 detail. I I just wondered because I've been tempted sometimes to maybe go to one of those ancestry or generational type things. You just keep putting your name and see what happens. But. Uh, so you had a little bit of a good experience with it. You found a little bit of information. Well, I will say this uh, on behalf of Christopher. Uh, Chris, um, you know that, of course, there were Jews that spread around the world, and, of course, they went to Scotland, Ireland. In fact, it was very interesting. Just a short few years ago, the uh, in Ireland, the mayor of Dublin was Jewish. But what's fascinating is Scotland became a and Ireland too became a refuge for Jews. But my great grandfather's uh Jewish. His last name is McDonald. I'm I'm sorry, I don't know if he's Jewish. His last name is McDonald, he's Scottish. Sorry. Uh, well there was a big segment of Jews that did go to Scar- Scotland. In fact I'll give you a piece of interesting Jewish history. As far as I know, it I think it's the only country that Jews were never expelled from. Scotland. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Wow. They must be very long Patient people, right? Well, yeah, they, you know. They, <laughs> well, I'm sorry to get the show off track. I want to get oh, it back no, on no, track. No, no, you're fine. You, can sorry, you t- it's my fault. What mountain? No, no, wait. It's hard to get this show off track, to tell you the truth, because it's all about you and about this. It's hard to get it on track. <laughs> After the great victory at Mount Carmel, uh, Christopher, Elijah fled from Jezebel. They had this, you, you remember, they had this big shootout, you know, up there on the Mount Carmel about if you, whichever God... Uh, sends down flame and, and eats up the, the sacrifices and so on. And after that great confrontation there on Mount Carmel, Elijah was afraid for his life, and he fled from Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, the queen. He fled to another mountain uh, about 40 days' journey away to the south. Do you know what mountain it was? It's a very famous mountain. I bet you can guess it. Um, I, I didn't mean to cut off um, Jacob either. I wanted to thank him for his comment. I appreciate it. And, and also, uh, to answer your question, because I'm afraid of my phone dying, I'm kind of 
being motor mouth here, like super fast. Oh, you're doing fine. Out. Um, you're doing fine. Just a guess, Mount Moriah. No, that's not. That's not. That's actually up in Israel. This okay. mountain is way to the south, and it's a very famous mountain. Uh, probably the would you say the most famous mountain? Of well, it's called yeah, the Mountain yeah. of God. I'd say. Well, let's try this hint. Where were the Ten Commandments given? Oh, there you go. Oh, Mount Hebron. No, that's well, no, he's right. He's saying Hebron, but he means uh, Horeb or uh, Horeb. Okay, but, what's a common name of of this mountain? If you've seen the Ten Commandments, what mountain? Mount Sinai. Sinai. Uh, okay, uh, real quickly, I know your phone's uh, limping, but let me tell you this real quick. Always, this is something interesting. Well, maybe maybe we could let him hang up and listen. Oh, whatever Would you rather, like Christopher? Yes, I got one last question before I hang up. Is it sure. true? I'm sorry. Uh, is it true that God would take the prophets up to the mountains sometimes after a victory or to refresh them? Is That's it? my last question. I'll hang up and I'll let you guys okay. um, cool. get control back over the, <laughs> the, the, uh, all right. the direction of the show. I'm so sorry. You be, oh, no, not a problem at all, pal. Take care okay, now. I'm going to hang up now and thank okay. you guys for everything. You I bet really, you, man. I, I love the show. All right, Christopher. All right, let's talk about that then, um, mm-hmm. Jacob. You said they, they would go down to Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. Elijah does. And you told me before the well, program tonight uh, that there's... That, that there was a reason for going yes. to that same mount. It's yes. Well, remember, well Sinai has the word sin in it. Sin actually comes from. Uh, we all know what sin is. Comes so from. it's related to that word. Yes, it is. Okay. And you see now why? Because sin is the first word. But when God converts something, shall we say, you want things you see like Yeshua, or you see Joshua. Uh, you'll see that the first pronounceable syllable of uh, somebody's name gets a, a word, a name gets the first pronounceable syllable on a name. So God took sin, which is called the mountain of God in the Bible, and when you take the yud, or what we would call like in English a y, you might say, or an i, and you put it on the word sin, you now have the, the sin being converted to the mountain of God. That's why. So this A-I on the end is actually, in Hebrew, it's Sinai or Sini, which is actually taking sin and converting it to the mountain of God because God himself appeared on top of the mountain. And the other name in the Bible where the Ten Commandments were given is, uh, Christopher almost had it right, it was called, in Hebrew, it's Horeb, or but you can say Horeb in English. Which means sword. It does mean so. You have an excellent memory. <laughs> you told me that once. Yes, that's absolutely well, right. Well, here's, here's the deal, that I, and I know we, we can spend a little time on this, uh-huh. because, but if I recall correctly, there's another passage mm-hmm. in the New Testament, mm-hmm. maybe the book of Hebrews, where it talks about the sword, uh, mm-hmm. yes. the two-edged sword and so on, but I'm not sure if it's in the book of Hebrews or another book of the New Testament, where it says that, what is it? It talks about the idea that that, that without the law, uh-huh. that that the law gave rise to understanding of sin. Without without the law, there's no sin because there's nothing uh-huh. to sin against. Or uh-huh. it, it's some passage that Paul uses. It's kind of a logical, maybe legal argument. But it's interesting that it's a play of those words, uh-huh. sin, and that's where the the law was given at Sinai. Right. He and, converted sin on that mountain to 
something good because the first pronounceable syllable of of God's name, Yud, is placed on sin, which okay. makes Sinai. Well, maybe it was the book of Romans. But the whole idea is that the giving of the law gave rise to the to the to have us be able to recognize sin. Mm-hmm. When the law is given, then it, uh, I, I think it is maybe Romans. He says uh, there are those without the law, and they're they're judged without the law. But but the law came and gave and exposed sin. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm guessing there might be if the word Sinai or mm-hmm. sin has. A sin relationship. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that the word Sinai. I thought it was a totally different, just coincidence. It started with the letters S I N. That had nothing to do with the with the idea of sin or e- wickedness or evil or something. But the, there is. The, it's actually there, yes. huh? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, huh. and it's Mount Horeb or Horeb with uh-huh. a B. Uh-huh. So V's become B's in English. Uh, but and it's called and he, right here is one of the verses we're talking about and I'll just read you the verse so you can see how it's worded, and it says um, Elijah got up and ate and drank and traveled forty days and forty nights on that meal until he arrived at Horeb, comma, the mountain of God. He walked for forty days and nights yes. on one meal. Ah. Uh, that was the meal that, the, that God sent to him with the... Uh, with the birds. With the birds. Yeah. So, what wow. you got... Now, do you see here? What you got is, and it says, Horeb, the mountain of God. The mountain of God is what we call Sinai, where the Ten Commandments, the tablets were given. Uh, and But what's fascinating is, is 40 days and 40 nights certainly conjures up the idea... Of, sure Moses, does. of Moses. And Jesus. Uh-huh, all that business. Now... What is fascinating is, and this is what I want to kind of get to, is what happened is when Elijah goes up there, God says to Elijah, and I'll just, he says in uh, verse uh, uh, 19.9, it says, Elijah went to a cave. That's the way they translated it. That's right. And he spent the night there. God's word came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, what's fascinating is, Elijah gives a little uh, a, a little explanation. Then over in 1914, I'm sorry, 1913. Is this a little explanation about how he's being pursued or, or, no, not, or no. no? No, okay. And he says, God asked him a second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, why is God asking him that? Because he went up before the Ten Commandments were giving. This cave, this cave that we're talking about, you know, people are would be familiar with. Where it says, God. Now, this is crazy. I don't know if I believe this, but it's it, it just crazy enough to be probably very true. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, we know this. We got the 40 days, 40 nights business. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up on, we know what mountain it is, and it's the mountain of God. Wasn't Moses up there 40 nights or 40 yes, days? Yes, he too? was. Okay. That, yep. And okay. so he's up there, and it says he goes into a cave. That's the way they translated it. But remember the story when Moses says to God, uh, let me see your glory, your Shekinah or your Shekinah. Uh, and he says, well, stand in the cliff here and I'll put my hand over you. And after I go past, you can look at my back. Remember all that business? Yeah, the cleft of uh, the rock. The, well, the yeah. cleft that Moses was in is the cave that Elijah is in. <laughs> That's why God says twice, what are you doing here? And he says, well, you know, I'm scared. And now, and that stuff about uh, when you can look, tells Moses, God says, you can look back on me. 
He says, what, what that really means in Hebrew is, you won't understand this right now, but when, after it's done, when you look back on it, you will understand. And so Elijah goes up here, and he's actually in that cave. That's the same place. And we got the 40 days and 40 nights stuff. He's up on the mountain. We know it's the mountain because it says, that's why I read it to you, it says it's Horeb, Mount Sinai. It's the mountain of God, and he's on that mountain. See, he went there. Well, he didn't go there by accident. He knew where that was at. And he went there, and he's actually in the, as they translate it, cave is the cleft of the rock okay. that we're familiar with. So he's actually having this religious experience there. And that's where he has the, um, let's see what happens first. Is there uh, the, 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 oh, the wind and the, the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally this, the, the, the small still, voice. Still, the still voice. small voice, uh-huh. And you'll notice that, let's see if I can find it, 19. Uh, Don't get away from your mic there. Oh, I'm sorry, 19. Uh, 14, he says, uh, Elijah answers God, and he says, well, you know, I've been zealous for God, the Lord, and uh, I've been, I'm all alone. I The prophets uh, have all been killed with a sword. And okay, then, we're going to draw this all together really pretty here right, okay. from the book of Kings, right? Right. right. This is going to be cool. And what he's going to say, and so what he does is he's got, what does he have with him? They translate it as the word mantle. Well, what is the mantle in Hebrew is a tallit, or what we call a prayer shawl in English. Uh-huh. Well, what is a prayer shawl? A prayer shawl is the covering, is the commandments of God. You see, when it says Jesus was wearing the prayer shawl, and uh, some people come up and grab hold the fringe on the bottom, they're grabbing hold of his prayer shawl. Like when it says, a daughter of Abraham had the issue of blood. She grabs hold of the fringe on the bottom. Right. What it's telling you is she's a Jew, and she's grabbing hold of the commandments, and they healed her. So he's up here. He has this mantle, and he's got his mantle up there, and it, that is the commandments. And so it's the same idea that Moses had. Remember, Moses had to, he covered his face? Mm-hmm. Well, and listened also to this. He covered his face because his face was glowing, and uh-huh. so he... Right. And he says uh, he was scaring that, the people, I guess. That well, that's right. And it says, and that's actually what uh, what Elijah does. He covers his face with his mantle or his prayer shawl. So you see, you have got the same thing happening all over again. It's, it's a repetition. And I always found that fascinating because the people never put it together that he's in the exact same place that Moses was. And this cave they translate is actually how it's translated. As Cliff in uh, the in uh, back in Numbers and uh, Exodus, amazing stories here. But I want to connect this to this story of this Shunammite woman. Aha! Because is it Elisha that goes to her or Elijah? Yes, it's Elisha. Well, okay, so that would not be okay. So the Elijah is told that there is. Uh, he says, I'm all alone, and he says, no, you're not alone. There there are a hundred more. Right. There's someone else. That, and there is a prophet of God serving in the... Am I getting okay. confused? No, no, no. He comes down, and what? And Elisha says, hey, what? Are, I want double portion. And when Elijah goes up in there, what does he give him? What does he give him? 
Uh, his mantle, they translate it? Oh, his, yes, his mantle. His prayer shawl. Prayer shawl. Uh-huh. Now, I'm going to just kind of jump along here. Now, uh, now, I'm interested in this Obadiah character, yes. the son of oh. the Shuvanite woman. Yes. Okay. Now, first thing Elisha does is give her the oil, and uh, and she's not got money. Why is she poor? Why is she poor? Now, listen to the first line. This is in Second Kings 4.1. A certain woman, a wife of one of the disciples of the prophets, uh, is, is my husband has died. Oh, Obadiah was not Jewish. He protected the prophets, and he actually ends up so writing Elisha a book. So Elisha had blessed them with the birth of his yeah, son, Yeah, but Obadiah. I know just because we only got 30 seconds. Yeah. is because the Obadiah gets to write a book, and he's not Jewish in the Old Testament of the prophets. His son that was raised from the dead here is another prophet that wrote his own book, and it's Habakkuk. Oh, that's Habakkuk. Okay. Yeah. So... So Habakkuk and Obadiah are two of the minor prophets that are not Jewish. Well, I don't know how you determine minor, but yes, they're they're prophets. Well, what we call minor. I guess Uh, uh, shorter works. Okay, but what you got is you got two guys here who are clearly not Jewish. One is raised from the dead, and it's Obadiah's son, Habakkuk. So Obadiah... Obadiah. Is Obadiah that one that's serving in the palace? Yes, he served in the palace of Ahab and Jezebel. So that means Elisha had to, this thing of Elisha and this Shunammite woman had to have happened fairly early in his uh, ministry. That's right, yes. And Elijah, I kind of think of Elisha as being younger than Elijah. He is, he is, he's a younger guy. But then he gives him his prayer shawl, and okay. he, he carries the commandments with so him. So this same Obadiah, that one that's a, the son of that Shunammite woman, is the one that is, is harboring and protecting these yes, priests. Yes, the Obadiah is the one that protected the prophets, and later... In the palace that's of Ahab and Jezebel. That's yeah. why his wife, his wife is poor. And, and then they get saved, and Habakkuk, his son, raised him, but then he also gets to write a book on the prophets. Oh, my lands. I tell you, the wonders of this book, folks, are just amazing. Thank you for joining us tonight the Bible Live Quiz Show. We'll be back next Sunday night. Listen all this week. We're going to move from the book of the Kings to the book of Acts in the New Testament. I know you'll like that. See you next week. Join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.